0: Your smooth and uneventful flight is approaching DFW Airport on a balmy August evening. As you begin to descend, you enter a thunderstorm with unexpectedly heavy rain and lightning. You see the planes ahead of you land safely and anticipate being on the ground soon. You take a sharp breath in as the plane begins to shake and the engines scream outside. Before you know it, your plane is being violently thrown to the ground by what must feel like the hand of God. Was it lightning? Pilot error? No, this silent killer is much scarier and much harder to anticipate.
1: Uh, I think I know where this is going. Oh, it's a disaster. I'm so intrigued.
0: Uh, just wait, it gets worse. We are just the masters of disasters, aren't we? Calamity Janes. Welcome to Calamity Janes. I'm Madison. And I'm Bailey. And this is our weekly disaster podcast... And you nailed that intro, Madison. Thank you. Short, simple, sweet. Uh, our listeners slash best friends do not know how hard this has been for me. so And they will never know because you just rattled that off like, I don't know, it's your job. Oh, perfect. Great. Okay. So I know the last time we did a plane crash story, I said that it was exactly what triggers my anxiety. And that was a lie. This is it. This is the one. <laughs> New levels of anxious. <laughs> Are you ready? Cuz I'm not.
1: <laughs> uh okay. Um well, let me do it then. I'll just I'll just guess. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay. We'll just improv the whole thing. It'll probably be happier if I do it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Buckle up, Buttercup. Here we go. Okay. On August 2nd, 1985, the Lockheed L-1011 TriStar operating flight 191 on Delta left from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, headed to LAX with a scheduled stopover in Dallas-Fort Worth. Our crew consists of three flight crew and eight cabin crew. Uh, Captain Ted Connors was very familiar with this aircraft and more than qualified by his 30 years of service to captain this flight. This is a big plane. It's a very big plane. Eight crew? Flight crew? Wowza. Three flight crew, eight cabin crew.
1: Sorry, that's what I meant. Cabin crew. I mean, three flight crew is a lot, but eight cabin crew. That's eight pilots?
0: We're talking like 40 rows. It's huge.
1: Big and probably... Does it say... Do you have the... What what kind of plane is this again?
0: It is a Lockheed L-1011 TriStar. So this is a, a big, big plane engines on both wings but it's also got the one on the tail like oh it's a big mother it's a okay. big big plane gotcha
1: I am unfamiliar with anything besides like Boeing or Airbus
0: so yeah I'll have to look you that and, one up you and me both but this is a huge plane meant yeah. to I mean it was going from one end of the country to the other but with the stopover that's
1: why I'm like mm, okay
0: yeah Forecasts showed a possibility of widely scattered rain showers and thunderstorms with another forecast showing an area of isolated thunderstorms over Oklahoma and northern and northeastern Texas, which is exactly where Dallas-Fort Worth is. Sure is, partner. As, <laughs> oh God. As the plane glides over New Orleans and begins its descent, the weather near the Gulf Coast strengthens and the flight crew decides to circumvent the storm cell on the radar. Ground control instructs the flight to slow to 180 knots to allow for a small corporate jet in front of them to land first. That isn't really uncommon, especially on a rainy Friday afternoon like this where things get a little backed up. Um, it's really typical for ground control to tell pilots to, you know, like circle once or speed up, slow down. We're going to have you come in before or after. Blah, sure. blah, blah.
1: In general, it seems like it doesn't take much these days for them to be like, you're in timeout, circle the airport, or when you get to land early, oh my God, it's, nothing is worse than when you land early and you, you're like, "It's an, it's an this is a modern day airline, air travel miracle, but oh, your gate's not ready?
0: Taxiing and just... Or your gate's
1: not ready, so they put you in the yeah. penalty box and you literally sit like 50 feet away from your gate. Yeah. And you're like, I'm so close.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. That's... That was... I, I could feel the passion. I'm glad. The, I wanted to convey
1: my exact emotions. I felt it. When that happens. Because I,
0: nothing is more uh, annoying. I'm willing to bet everyone listening to this felt that <laughs> in their ears as well. That was special.
1: Yes. Um,
0: share your least favorite part of flying at calamityjane'spodcast@gmail.com. <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> oh, my God. Overall, Delta 191 ends up circling over Texarkana for about 10 to 15 minutes, waiting for landing approval. The small jet in front of them landed safely and without major incident, meaning they didn't have a need to report any particular weather phenomenon to the control tower. They said uh, heavy rain, like really, really heavy rain, but that happens and they landed totally fine.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: The closer the flight gets to DFW, the worse the weather gets. The crew is warned of a manageable crosswind upon approach and rain begins to pick up substantially. The crew notices lightning directly in their path as they lose altitude on their approach, which is what's supposed to happen because they're descending. Thank you for reminding us. The way you said lose altitude meant like. I saw the face you made. We're intentionally losing altitude at this point. Copy that. Okay. Okay. As they lose, intentionally lose altitude (laughs) on their approach. Something strange and terrifying begins to happen. The storm intensifies and the engines rev as the plane picks up substantial speed out of nowhere. The pilots fight against this to lower the speed to something more appropriate for landing. And also because the control tower is telling them like you, they needed to be slower. You come in hot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, suddenly, the plane is violently thrown down.
1: Well, uh, qu- quick question. Yep. Um, right at the wrong time. Um, was this doing it on auto- autopilot? Is that why they were like, why are we coming in so hot? We got to slow this puppy down.
0: That's a good question. I don't know. Okay. Uh, perhaps. I mean, I'm not sure how much autopiloting there is in a descent. Never in the multiple documentaries and articles that I read, never once was the word autopilot brought up. So I don't know.
1: Interesting cuz yeah I guess by when you said it suddenly sped up it made me think like well, it's either a mechanical error or like the autopilot was detecting it the strengthening sped up storm or whatever
0: because they hit a headwind but did they speed it up well, yeah so that that's actually a question that I've run into because what I'm going to get way more into the weeds about the mechanics of what's about to happen here Excellent. but this is the part that still confuses me a little bit okay okay Um, but anyways, they speed up a lot and they're like, whoa, what's going on? on? Yes. Um, okay. Suddenly after they speed up the, they're trying to slow down. The plane is violently thrown down. The pilots fight to regain altitude and push the engines to their limits. There's a moment of calm where they regain control of the plane before it's thrown violently down and side to side. The plane tilts dramatically to the right, still falling at approximately 10 feet per second and traveling at at least 200 miles per hour. It touches down briefly in a field as it approaches Highway 114, which runs north of the airport. Do you have something you want to say or are you just along for the ride?
1: I'm just along for the ride. I just, I, we talked about this after Madison did the intro, but before we kind of came, you know, did the full official intro. I'm aware of this air disaster Madison and I grew up in the Dallas area. It's where I currently live. And so our parents told us about this because it happened back in their day. Um, But until Madison looked into this, our knowledge of it was very superficial. So my reaction to this is hearing, I'm sorry, it touched a field before bouncing back up and like... Yo, it just gets so much worse. Wow. Also, um, I drive regularly on 114. That's the other thing.
0: Oh, Great. Yep. Okay. That's also a horrible part of this story. Yes. So um, they are, at this point, not intentionally losing altitude because their plane has literally been thrown to the ground. They're, uh, no. And they're traveling very fast, 200 miles per hour. Right. Oh, my God. So, so they briefly touch down in a field, and they leave, like, a soft divot, which is kind of a miracle.
1: Um just a soft i guess the ground's really soft that probably helped because yeah, like, it was the, storming
0: really, yeah with a really bouncier
1: a little bit of cushion in their impact yep
0: yeah, so they're still heading towards the runway it's kind of hard for me right now to describe what this looks like but they're heading towards the runway like they are going in the direction that theoretically the plane is supposed to be going in right um so the pilots, after they touched down in that field, they somehow miraculously managed to get the plane back into the air before the plane's left engine slams into William Mayberry's car, killing him instantly. He was on Highway 114, just absolutely wrong place, oh wrong time.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, it's where you're supposed to be when you drive.
0: Mm-hmm. The plane continued south, hitting two streetlights and slowly beginning to tear apart. Now, The pilots have been doing an excellent job of keeping the aircraft in the air and as stable as possible. Right? Yeah. So because of this, you know, passengers were very aware of what was going on.
1: Would hard to not be.
0: Yeah. At this point, a fire started from the left wing route, which entered the cabin while the plane was still careening towards the runway.
1: Is a wing route like where the wing attaches to the fuselage? Okay
0: people were doused with jet fuel as the plane oh was ripped god. apart and in an effort to avoid the encroaching flames some un- unbuckled their seatbelts to flee and were sucked out of the plane oh my god because they're going 200 miles per hour Still. they're on the ground but they're going <gasps> extremely fast yeah it gets- i don't 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 No. what are you about to say don't say it The survivor who reported this said the only reason he wasn't burned like those around him was because it was raining so heavily that once his seat was exposed, he was doused with water and the flames on his clothes were extinguished. The aircraft finally came to a stop when it made contact with two water tanks at the edge of the airport. As the left wing and nose struck the water tank, the fuselage rotated counterclockwise in a violent cartwheel that engulfed the plane in a fireball. The plane did a cartwheel. It uh, yes, but it, like a horizontal cartwheel, like it. Oh, was, I see. Yes, like if a, that makes sense, like a
1: one eighty kind of, or uh, like a, it spun on the. Yeah, but
0: yeah. people who saw it compared it to uh, a, yeah. a cartwheel. Okay. Um, the fuselage from the nose back to row thirty-four was completely obliterated. It was gone. Back to the what? Tail- row? Th- row thirty-four.
1: So basically, the whole plane. The whole plane.
0: Yep. The tail section emerged from the fireball relatively intact, skidding backwards and coming to a rest on its side before the still raging winds rotated it upright. That's how insane this storm is, is once several tons of aircraft come to a rest, they are then shifted. Yeah. Oh
1: my... god! That's that's not a tornado, but boy, it sure sounds like a tornado.
0: Some of the mechanics are very similar to what, okay. tortona- to what would happen in a tornado. To what would happen in a tornado. Tornado. <laughs> that uh, sounds like a delicious Italian dish. It does. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Can I have a cupcake and a delicious a Italian t- And a tornado? Tornado. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> Gil Green, a passenger miraculously somehow still seated in row 35.
1: Uh, right before... The cutoff basically,
0: yeah. And he's the one who reported the people being sucked out of the plane. Uh He found himself suddenly exposed to the elements and dangling in his seat 30 feet above the ground because, right?
1: Because you're in a still in a massive airplane,
0: yeah. That's how big to give you an idea that is how big this plane is is when it is literally on the ground, obviously, no landing gear keeping it up. Mm -hmm. When it is on the ground, he is 30 feet suspended in the air. And you can see pictures. They're not gory. I mean, they're graphic in the sense that this is a horrible thing that happened. There's no gore. But you can see pictures. Basically, the plane is dissected in the back, and you can see his row, how it's just dangling there.
1: Hold on. I need to Google this. Yeah. I need to put my specs on. Sorry for the (laughs) glare. I need to Google this. You describing the way this plane... It makes me realize that I feel like I... And so I can't be alone in this. Take for granted how big planes are, and I think it's yeah. because of where you enter them. Like the ter- you don't appreciate how high the terminal is, like, mm-hmm. and how low the jet or high the jet bridge might be. You know, well, what and I it mean? feels
0: so small when you are in it because everyone feels cramped in an right. airplane, and you don't. When you look at this, you realize how much under how much cargo space there is. Yeah. Oh.
1: Oh. <gasps> It did not occur to me when you're like, no, no, without the wheels, he's still 30 feet up. And he's in one of those chairs that's dangling.
0: Yeah. <sighs> um, okay. So he was also doused in jet fuel and his fire was still a very real concern. He made the brave decision to unbuckle and jump down onto the shrapnel below him. Because the whole
1: thing looks scorched in this picture that I'm looking at. The entire remaining tail of the plane is just burnt Mm -hmm. to a crisp.
0: Yeah. And this is where the rain becomes a good thing is because it really did help put the fire out. Or at least it helped people put Mm -hmm. people out.
1: Yeah.
0: Wendy Firstnell, a relatively new flight attendant who had been called into this flight last minute. She'd only been a flight attendant for six months. Oh. And someone called in sick. And so she ended up on this flight. She was shocked to find that she was also still alive when this is done. Uh, she used the armrests sure. as a ladder to climb down. She bolted from the wreckage out of fear of another explosion and happened to run into Gil Green, who was doing the exact same thing. Sure. Uh, they shared a moment of, oh, my God, you're alive, too, and uh, kept running. They, I think I read somewhere they made it about 75 yards before they ran into rescuers who were like okay we got you <laughs> Do,
1: Ye- don't well, worry. yeah because then you're like Whoa, what makes you think what what's the response
0: time like huh? yeah well okay so we're gonna get to that slowly a small too small trickle of survivors stumbled out of the wreckage because the, cl- the plane came to a stop less than a minute from the airport's fire station fire responders uh or fire oh sorry first responders arrived at the site almost instantly
1: wow they oh, hmm.
0: yeah wendy and gill were ushered into an ambulance as heavy hail pelted the wreckage so they actually wendy said she thought that the hail would kill them because it was coming down so hard and so fast um, It just
1: keeps going it just mm-hmm. keeps going
0: yeah well you know what these summer thunderstorms are like in in texas they they're scary
1: yes, but not while also having survived a yes. horrific plane crash. I mean it yeah. just it's this is a, the mm, series of unfortunate events adult version
0: yeah exactly rescuers wasted no time in pulling survivors from the crash of the 163 souls on board only 29 survived
1: Wow I well after seeing the tale I can't believe even that many survived yeah. I mean it's incredible that there were any survivors. At all.
0: Two more died later from their injuries, including one who died in 1995 after being in a coma for 10 years. wow. Yeah. Ironically, most of the survivors were located in the aircraft smoking section, which was in the back of the plane.
1: There were smoking sections in airplanes.
0: In 1985, yeah.
1: Just that there were smoking sections
0: at all is, like, so... It doesn't
1: make sense. What did they think they were doing with that? Like I
0: know. Yeah, they're uh I watched to prepare for this. I watched an episode of Mayday, which I think is a Canadian show about airplane crashes. Your
1: favorite. Um, Did you binge watch a bunch after that? Oh my gosh. I was
0: very selectively watch a show like that. I remember uh, when I was in law school and we would go play trivia, they would often have it playing in the bar and, or like why planes crash or I feel like the weather channel or discovery or like all of them have their own version of it. And every time I was like, why are you playing this? You might as well just play like paranormal activity, just scare us all so we can't sleep anymore. It's like, it's nine o'clock on like a Tuesday or something. Why are we doing this? It's <laughs> and a And you bar. said it's called Mayday? Yeah, this is uh, Mayday. The link to it on YouTube, is it's in the show notes. Yeah, I'm going to go binge watch it. It, it. I like it because they stick to black box dialogue. Ooh, or Sorry, black box transcripts. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I appreciate that because they're not... It doesn't feel like they're trying to make it more dramatic, mm-hmm. which would be hard to do with e- this kind of. I mean, any what plane could disaster, be more but... traumatic than a plane crash, except black box
1: dialogue is always like almost eerily no, calm. not almost. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely eerily too calm. It's all it's. They're like, why aren't you more upset about this? I'm mm-hmm. upset that you're not more upset about what's going on. On the other hand, I understand. Cool under pressure. That's their job. They're good at their job. But
0: as a normal person, as a bystander. Yeah, it it is a little spooky or unsettling how long they can keep their cool before something, before it happens. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, from what I could see here, they, this happened from the time that their aircraft sped up without, from the time they entered, the situation to when they crash was forty seven seconds. Forty yeah. seven. So wait the the whole falling and dipping, the clipping that the, the, the engine... whole speeding up, calm, dropping, and then a tailwind, uh, which I'll get into in a little bit, which is what slammed them into the ground ultimately. Forty seven seconds.
1: The gu- the guy who got hit in the car, all yeah. that in there. Mm-hmm. Forty less than a minute.
0: For all yeah. that to happen. They fought
1: hard. They and quickly, like how yeah. when you imagine all the things that happened in that short amount of time, how fast they must have been thinking to keep the plane in the shape that they did for as long as that, like through mm-hmm. everything they oh my god.
0: Wow. Yeah. So in total, there were hundred and thirty-seven lives lost. And that includes mm-hmm. William Mayberry on the highway. Mm-hmm. So, what happened here? Um, Yeah. Before we launch into that too much, it's completely undisputed that the flight crew did absolutely everything in their power to land the aircraft safely, and no one is alleging anything differently. Good. Yeah. They fought till the very last second with every last ounce of their abilities. I just want to get that out there before we start saying things like pilot error and Mm -hmm. mistake and things like that. Okay. So... The NTSB um, or the National Transportation Safety Board, ultimately deemed the cause of the crash to be pilot error combined with extreme weather phenomena. So there was uh, okay, there was also a lack of specific training policies and procedures for avoiding avoiding and escaping low altitude wind shear.
1: That's the thing. I mean, to say that it's pilot error mm-hmm. to me assumes that there would have been a way. To feasibly escape that unscathed or at least alive.
0: Yeah. We're going to break down exactly what happened and what it means.
1: Okay. Because that doesn't, to be clear, that doesn't seem possible to me. I yes. don't think that's inhuman to expect
0: a human to do that. I agree with you. I actually think. Almost everyone at the time would agree with you, too. Okay. I don't think anyone at the NTSB or anyone else looking into this thought that they did anything wrong other than they made mistakes, but they didn't know. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they said um, they mentioned low altitude wind shear. Mm
1: -hmm. What is
0: wind shear? Mm -hmm. It is a change in wind speed or direction over a short distance. It can occur either horizontally or vertically, and it's often associated with strong temperature inversions or density gradients. So when you have warm air and cool air meeting, gotcha, which is what often happens um, in the summertime when you have a lot of hot air that rises and you have storm fronts moving in and they mix and they meet. It was 101 degrees on the day of the crash, as is typical of Texas in Mm -hmm. August and nine other months out of the year. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the right kind of temperature for this sort of thing to happen. All of that hot air rises and then suddenly falls back down to earth in a downburst. A downburst is created by an area of significantly rain-cooled, descending air that, once it hits ground level, spreads out in all directions and produces very, very strong winds. Now, Bailey, I'm going to get ahead of you on this one and just say, imagine you turn a faucet on and the, (laughs) the water gushes down in a straight line until it hits the sink where it spreads out in all directions. Okay. That is exactly what this is.
1: Sounds damp, but obviously in a, in an air metaphor, it's, it's yes. less damp. Although now, not in this
0: instance. No, no. There was lots of rain here. More specifically, a downburst affecting an area four kilometers in diameter or less is a microburst. And that's what Delta 191 encountered.
1: Four kilometers is?
0: It's about two. The, someone said these are never really more than two miles in diameter. Gotcha. Okay. I'm I'm willing to bet, fellow American. Yes, I'm willing to bet that two miles does not equal four kilometers. In fact, I know it doesn't, (laughs) but I think they are roughly similar.
1: (laughs) Please, everyone using metric, cut us some slack.
0: (laughs) The uh, actually the man who I uh, saw—I shouldn't even say this. Never mind, because I'm going to butcher it. It doesn't matter. Okay, the probability of hitting a microburst because it is so small is very tiny. Um, But it's not zero. It's never zero. No. No. And microbursts happen with varying degrees of intensity. And so they can happen lots of times, lots of places. That when I was in the derecho, I thought that's what this was.
1: Is that what happens when like you're flying at altitude in a plane and you fall, you have like a hundred foot drop? Or is that... um,
0: it can be, yeah. but I think there's also a thing called dead air, and I have hmm. no clue what that means, but that's what I've heard.
1: It's where the is... wind just stops, right? Sure. Or, or no, I guess if it's sheared, it would be going in perpendicular to your wings so you get no lift. I don't know.
0: Yes, it does definitely have something to do with the lift. I know that. As does everything with an airplane. <laughs> So as flight 191 approached the microburst, they encountered a strong headwind, which led to an increase in indicated airspeed. This may cause some pilots to reduce their airspeed, which would be a mistake and unfortunately was exactly what happened. Because there was that small corporate jet in front of them that they were getting a little close to, the control tower told them to slow down and they were in a descent. So they were already trying to slow down. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake because as the aircraft passes through a downburst or a microburst, as is the case here, that wind becomes a tailwind, and the indicated airspeed as well as the lift drop. Okay. So, okay, so think of this like the faucet. So mm-hmm. just imagine the water coming straight down, and then it fans out in all directions. Mm-hmm. Now, as you're approaching it, the water's coming at you, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's creating the headwind, yeah. And it increases your airspeed. That's when the engines revved up and people were like wait i thought we were slowing down i thought we mm-hmm. were about to land um so so is that a per- is that really perceived i like, don't know this is the part that i still don't understand okay. i understand almost everything else except for this
1: i guess that's what I, when you said that i was like wait what do the instruments read is it like when they read wind speed what are they? Re- is it like how quickly the turbines and if you have this gust of wind through the turbines there? Yeah. And well, and it did say
0: indicated airspeed. So that might be huh. what it is. Um. Interesting.
1: but Heads up, everyone who actually is in the uh, field of aeronautics, we are so sorry if we are butchering any and all of these terms, facts, ideas. Please feel free to let us know. I try. I really,
0: really do, guys. No, no, you do.
1: (laughs) You absolutely do. But when we have these conversations about things we know nothing about, it makes me realize there are probably some people who are screaming into their phone right now. Probably. Wishing they could tell us what we're talking about. And they have been
0: nice enough to not harass us over email yet.
1: Thank you so much, everyone. But we were happy to, you know... Correct
0: ourselves in future yes. episodes.
1: Should you should you want to exactly,
0: okay. So as you're approaching, your the water's coming at you because mm-hmm. it's fanning out. That's where you get that indicated uh, airspeed increase. Mm-hmm. So that's when they slowed down because they were like, "Well, we don't mean to be going this fast for a couple of different reasons," and so they slowed down. Okay. So once they get to the part of the faucet. Where water is just coming down. Yep. That's what throws them into the ground. Cause that's literally just air just into the ground.
1: Pressing right down on top of them.
0: Like exactly
1: perpendicular to the wing, just like someone pressing on your shoulders and being like into the ground.
0: Yeah. So there's a huge downward force of air that can slam a plane into the ground if it doesn't have enough speed or altitude. Unfortunately, because they were already trying to keep a lower speed, and because they were in their descent, they did not have enough altitude or speed to pull back up. So, yes, it was a mistake to slow down, but not entirely their their fault, um, because for you know we right.
1: talked about it. And yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all those all those reasons. Yeah, yes.
0: Um, so, okay, so I I want to, I didn't have it in my notes, but I want to finish explaining the mechanism of this microburst. So they're, they're like in the part where the water is gushing down, that's yep. what slams them down, but they still are going forward mm-hmm. to an extent because yep. at that point they had not, that's not what slammed them into the ground. That pushed them down substantially. Mm-hmm. Then when you get into the part of the water, so you're out of where it's gushing down, now you're leaving and you've got the water pushing you out they're already tilted kind of with their tail down cuz they're trying to land mm-hmm. when they get the and they have no lift and not right, enough speed right cuz the air is coming from behind they have literally it, negative lift exactly and so as they're you know trying to get out of it with not enough speed not enough altitude that tailwind again slams them into the ground i can I, yeah this is all, this is now my least favorite air disaster it's it is genuinely terrifying. It's horrifying what happened.
1: But you're going to tell us all about why this won't happen again. I right? am. Yes. Good. Exactly.
0: Okay. Um, before I get to that, I've got one more thing. Go so the sure it's really <laughs> happy. The other issue here is that microbursts were not very well known in 1985. Sure, forecasting and onboard equipment had come a long way, but it wasn't perfect and probably still isn't. The radar aboard this aircraft was unable to detect wind changes, only storm cells. So the pilot made the right decision to try to avoid the cells that he could see, but he couldn't avoid what he couldn't see. He was known to be really professional, really cautious. He never chanced anything. He didn't mind taking his time trying to make the flight safer or smoother. He wanted to go around any thunderstorm that he could. Investigators theorize that he underestimated the size of the low altitude thunderstorm that created the microburst because of his lack of onboard equipment and no pilot ahead of him reported experiencing the microburst, which makes sense because they generally and this storm in particular appear out of nothing.
1: Well, you're also when you're on your approach to land, you are You have to be close to the ground. What were Mm they supposed to do? Fly, I guess, in practice, not come in for a landing, but it's not like you're, oh, now you just fly higher to come in for a landing. Like, no, you have to fly low to land.
0: Yeah, it sounds like ideally what would happen is instead of them trying, when they hit, when their indicated airspeed increase, they should have kept with it and yeah. the only thing you can do is fly through it. Mm-hmm. Trying to turn is only going to make it worse. Just fly through it, try to gain altitude mm-hmm. and speed up. That's what you have to do. Gotcha. Um, also before he kind of squared up for landing, Captain Connor switched frequencies mere seconds before the tower announced there was a small thunderstorm right near the one runway producing a wall of water. Oh. Yeah. Which, what did, he switched from what to what? I'm not sure. It sounds like it was really normal. Like he was either listening to weather and switched to tower. Or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like totally normal. Not gotcha. a bad thing. Just yeah. in this case, really bad luck. Yeah. Um, I also, in that episode, uh, they mentioned that the meteorologist who was working that day, um, looking at the radar was on a lunch break when this storm developed Oh, um, yeah. boy. Exactly. Do they still... Imp- no is clue. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was going to say, no probably
1: a silly question, but it seems like... I guess you would still have a meteorologist, but they would be interpreting like mass amounts of data de- rather than just like, yeah, looks like it's storming outside or with a radar or whatever.
0: Exactly. Okay, here's the good part. Okay. As horrifying as this disaster is, here is why I was excited to do it. After the crash, everyone decided enough was enough. This was the latest in 26 accidents caused by microbursts that had claimed over 500 lives. What?
1: Mhm. I thought this was a rarity in mm-hmm. air disasters.
0: Holy smokes, did I? Yeah. Wow. Mhm. Yeah, the planes crashed a lot before like in the 80s, before like 1990. Planes crashed all the time. I mean, not all the time, but what More. feels like, yes. Yeah. For us now, feels like all the time. Well, I've never felt safer flying <laughs> now. Um, And back then, uh, onboard radar equipment needed to be adapted to be able to see stuff like this. So, NASA, those do-gooders, threw their hat into the ring and modified a Boeing 737 as a test bed for onboard Doppler weather radar. Mm. So, what makes Doppler radar different is that it measures pulse timing and uses the Doppler effect of the returned target signal to determine wind speed from the velocity of any precipitation in the air.
1: And they equip... All airplanes with Dopplers. Isn't it in their little nose cone?
0: Like yes, like, beep, beep, beep. exactly. Yeah, so cute. So when you go to the airport, you've probably seen those large objects that look like all-white soccer balls. Sure have. Those are Doppler radars, and they are huh. invaluable. Mm-hmm.
1: When you said, yeah, when it, like, measures from the plane to the target, I was like, what is the target? That's the target? No. Oh.
0: No, those are on-ground Doppler radars. Oh, okay. They are extremely important. I see. Okay, but... Those ground Dopplers can't get the information to a plane fast enough sometimes. Like I said, oh. this was 47 seconds. And oh, it can... I
1: see. I see. So we had the ground Dopplers before. That's what they were using.
0: Uh, uh, yes. Okay. So um, that's where NASA came in with their onboard Doppler. Those crazy kids took their modified 737 and flew into as many dangerous microbursts as they could. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. They got what they were looking for and developed a wonderful tool that gave pilots an extra 20 seconds to build speed, altitude, and energy when microbursts were detected in their path. 20 seconds? Man. Yeah. Yeah. You You have got to look alive. They said that if they were to wait for the ground Doppler to communicate this to them, it would be a 10 to 15 second delay. So if this gave them an extra 20 seconds, that the whole fight that we just talked about was 47 seconds. So 20 seconds is a huge deal. It's just when you think about this. Oh, I don't want to think about it. Time frame (laughs) that everything. Yeah. I just 20 seconds. Wow. That that is the make or break. Mm hmm. Life or death. Exactly. Um, Now, forward-looking Doppler radars are located in the nose cone of planes, and they are capable of finding many different types of microbursts. Now, I will leave you with this quote from Jerome Chandler, an aviation journalist for Time that attended the scene of the crash. If there is one crash we can look back on and say that made things safer, it's Delta Flight 191.
1: What a roller coaster.
0: Uh, I yes. I I feel like I have been on an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> I know. I got I got chills as I read that last part. I feel relief, <laughs> I feel sadness,
1: I feel what the heck? I cannot believe this many disasters happened yeah. as a result of microbursts. Um also Mom, if you're listening, this is not a <laughs> all how you <laughs> painted this picture to be i was envision i thought the plane came in short of the runway and like was literally squished down
0: by a microburst but like on the highway like it fell short fell down and everyone No, died. there was no there was a bit more to it than that i mean that's wow. not totally wrong but but we, it's
1: definitely not right it's I mean, definitely not right mom it's probably my fault it's probably
0: my listening no skills, it's mom's but. fault it's, it's <laughs> madison mom's said fault. that <laughs> uh, also, I have to credit her for suggesting that we do this one this week. When she gets caught up on episodes, she'll just be tickled that we mentioned her. She'll also no, be she'll furious. she'll be upset. <laughs> <laughs> blamed her for misinforming us. Anyways, yeah. So it's um, it's crazy that, I don't know, I knew not nearly as much as I thought I did about this. No. And why wasn't this in a bunch of disaster? Like I used to... I read quite a few air
1: disaster books. This is not in any of them. Okay, not I mean not not like some well read, you know, air disaster person, but like it's a big one and I'm a little surprised I hadn't come across it earlier.
0: Yeah. The um so the Palm Beach Post did a story about uh that flight attendant, what was her name? Uh Wendy Firstnell, because she was from Palm Beach, uh, as were many of the passengers. But they, and she survived, so they did a story about her and her experience with this, and she kind of said, it's very moving and in a lot of detail that wasn't really pertinent to this, but I would really encourage anyone to go read it. Um, but anyway, she was talking about how she realized that she really wasn't okay after this happened. She thought she was, because she was a survivor. Yeah, could you be? Yeah, because she, she escaped basically unscathed.
1: Um, well, yeah, and walking away with your life at all, you're like, exactly. What do I have to complain about?
0: Yeah, she. Uh, so then she talks about how when she was in, she found a therapist who helped her overcome the very obvious PTSD that she was suffering mm-hmm. after this. And she said that once they finally worked their way up to getting on a plane together, that she talked. She was talking to the flight attendants, and she said, "Yeah, I was a flight attendant on flight one nine one, and everyone knows." What that is if you're a flight attendant or you're in aviation because it changed everything. Mm -hmm. It made flights much safer. It made everything a lot safer. And so everyone knew exactly what she was talking about. So
1: she... It was no longer a flight attendant. Needless no. to say, at least certainly right after, I that was going to be a question. But then you made it clear she no. it took her a while to get back on a yeah. plane. Understandably so. I don't even know that I would get on at all. But yeah, good for her. Well, she for, talks about
0: how she had worked her way up to. Uh, her therapist took her to lunch near like a small private airport where they watched the planes. Take off and land, and then they walked onto to a plane. they walked on to another ten eleven tristar, and wow, um, yeah, and it talks all about her life like, really guys, I was like I was moved when I read this story, and it has a lot of interesting details about this too, but um yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot happening here can yeah is that link gonna be in the I yes read it's right okay. here great thank you so I much. almost sent it to you the other day as I I'm was glad you did because this, I was like tearing up at it. the end because it was <laughs> it was like just someone's amazing journey to recovery <laughs> oh it was incredible um yeah so just so so much and she had said that as she was running from the wreckage she saw a woman who it looks like she had been running for a little bit too, face down in the mud. And as she got up to her and she said, are you okay? And the woman said no. And she just kept running. Because obviously, I mean, who would be thinking clearly in that moment? And also, right. what what are you supposed to do? You, you're yeah. in shock. And anyways, and so she said that that had haunted her for like 20 years. And so oh. her therapist helped her find that person who ended up living. and Wow. Yeah. God, oh my God. hmm Good for her,
1: Moo. This was an incredible, an incredible disaster this week. Your writing on it, your research on it, was spectacular. I have to say, as you know, before we started, I was very low energy, very tired. This is another, <laughs> um, what do we call it? After dark recording, mm-hmm. aka it's after eight p.m. Yes, as <laughs> all just... of our
0: recordings have been. Most for of weeks. them, yes.
1: Um, we were both a little low energy, and after you read that intro, I was like, zing in it
0: wow and this is like award-winning writing i'm doing okay well i, I mean let's just pump let's n- n- okay fine this was cupcake worthy writing I'm yes doing.
1: <laughs> yes you deserve a cupcake a decadent beautiful cupcake
0: yes and also i wanted to mention before we concluded this evening ceremonies we hit a thousand downloads thank you yeah we
1: did because of you guys our best friends yes <laughs>
0: You are our best friends. Hey, Well, you said someone, it earlier, and I was like, oh, that is cute. Uh, well, I truly feel that way. Also, um, we had a lovely listener email us that we still need to respond to, but she said <laughs> that it was like listening to her best friends, and that made me feel so oh, that's, happy. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Hey, best friend. Hey. Uh, yeah. So email us. Let us know what you think. We love disaster suggestions. We love that we've gotten a couple of those
1: even though we haven't done any of the
0: ones that have been
1: requested, okay, us, well, they are coming, guys.
0: We they promise. are. We they keep saying, are. "Oh,
1: you sent us your." D-. They're coming. I almost did
0: one of them, Don't but spoil I, it. I'm not going to. I almost did one of them, but I need like a lot more. I need to do a lot more digging to find enough details about it. And then the other one has just like is a little raw at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I also need. That's a lot of. I there are too many details to try to get. Yeah, in. yeah, we'll get there. Thank you so much for listening this week. Rate us. Review us. Subscribe subscribe. wherever
1: you listen to podcasts. Tell your hairstylists. Have them tell their niece or nephew. Ask their nephew to write a blog post. Maybe a Yelp (laughs) article. I don't know. Can you Yelp a podcast? (laughs) Get the word out. You hear what I'm saying.
0: Oh, yes. It's time for you to go to bed, I think.
1: Sure is. That's my time tonight, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.